you are listening to the Savage Fincast, episode 22, Easy to Digest. Chicago. A criminal mastermind called Overlord held our city in his terrifying grip. Ordinary cops were losing the battle against Overlord's super freaks and mutants. Then, a miracle happened. When I found him, he had no memory of his past. I helped him find an identity and a life. Now we have a fighting chance. Now we have the dragon. This is the Savage Fincast, the show that can never have enough experience points. I am Jim Purcell. I'm Craig Olson. With you, as always, Raven Perez. And, uh, we are back again for our 22nd episode. Um, I had nowhere to go with that. <laughs> it's a show that's easy to digest. <laughs> <laughs> oh. We got a lot to cover. This is a really awesome issue. I think we're going to have a lot of things to discuss about it, so I think we should just jump into our... Uh, Eric Larson news and get through it so we can uh, we can get through this episode without spending three hours on it. Good pl- yeah, let's do Good it. plan. Uh, so for our first bit of um, news, uh, it's been announced that Savage Dragon issue 191 will have a uh, backup by artist Scott James. Um, he will be illustrating a what looks to be a Max Damage backup story. Um, Max Damage, of course, is a long time kind of background character he's had some some appearances and that he's had some appearances in savage dragon history but not recently in court in fact the last time i recall seeing him was in like an issue 115 yeah that might be right yeah it's been a long time yeah, yeah and so I, I, don't, I don't know what kind of story he has to tell but um it'll be interesting but uh, anyway uh, James, of course, Scott James, of course, is the artist that did the Alex Wilde backup, Getting Ugly. That was in the back of Savage Dragon 143. Uh, he did a one-off uh, Hostess Pie spoof. Uh, that was actually a few issues ago in 188. And um, in this very issue, issue 190, he's got a Deadly Duo backup. Uh, we'll be talking about that later. Um He's got a blog, of course. Uh, we can find his his uh, blog at scottjamesart.blogspot.com. Um, oh, based on the pages shown, uh, we should also see the return of uh, villains uh, Weed and Major Disaster. I can't even remember the last time I saw Weed. I think it was like during Gang War. No, he's shown up, I don't know, post-Savage World. There was... When when uh like she dragon moved into like dragon's house for like an issue or two, they battled weed. I think it's got that. It's like on the the issue that's got that romance cover looking oh, issue. Okay. Oh yeah, you're right. Huh. And I think he's shown up here and there, but in the background. Weed's that and guy. Me- that, he's kind of got that like in that issue you're talking about. He had like that double page spread. It's kind yeah, of like, he kind of looks like a swamp thing. thing type character. He shoots like his arms turn into like long vines, yeah. kind of. He's kind of swamp thingy, man thingy. Yeah. I don't know. He's got he's got an interesting look. 
Oh, yeah, man. him and Major Disaster are both cool guys that really haven't been in the book like a ton. So. Um, no, I think Major Disaster was only like a Freak Force guy, maybe. I don't know if he even showed up in like the book, in, in the main Savage Dragon book. Now, do we know if this backup is being written by Scott James? I don't think so. It's probably Larson. I think Larson so not, not did the Gavin, backup. Because does that mean uh, everyone's not destined to die? <laughs> Cleaning house? I don't know. We'll see. It seems like uh, Eric's really cleaning house on his characters, as we'll see in this uh, issue uh, review for 190. But um, it'll be interesting to see. Well, I think it'll be Larson pinned, but it's not confirmed here. I don't know, but we'll get more info on it. Right. Um, rolling right along, the cover for Savage Dragon 195 was released, and uh, that's... Uh, pretty sweet cover it features malcolm he's holding maxine as they leap uh, off the skyscraper roof top it's being destroyed by a new villain sort of looks like a destroyer from thor and uh, of course you can see that cover at dragonfan.net but uh, all in all i think it's an excellent you know i mean playing off the last cover where malcolm was I mean, he's he's uh, got some high flying action on his first two covers, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, one ninety four was like that kind of weird looking, like split colored character that was like climbing up on a rooftop, like swinging Malcolm around from a skyscraper. And this, you know, one ninety five is like Malcolm jumping off the roof of a skyscraper while it's getting blasted. But I love the it. great I, covers. I like that. Yeah, yeah. I like that Maxine has finally made the cover. Yeah. She's awesome. the, the colors are great on it too, from what I've seen. Oh yeah, that's a. I mean, it's a killer cover. Uh, it's fantastic, and you gotta wonder, is that coastline in the distance? What, what's going? No, on? it's uh, what do you? I mean, what's Chicago on? One of the Great Lakes. Yeah. Great. Oh, it's Lakes. Great Chicago <laughs> coast. <laughs> I was thinking maybe in this bold new direction he moves, but I forgot about the Great Lakes of Chicago. Poop. I really hope that Maxine is like. Not so much the new Alex Wild, but more that than like um, Debbie Harris. I really hope she lasts. Yeah, I think she will. I want her to become but a real magical again, girl. And fight crime. <laughs> then again, I've said that before, and Eric sets you up and then just brings you right down and kills characters off. But um, I could see her lasting for a bit. And you know what? I like the logo, haters, so suck it. Oh, the new the new dragon logo. I <laughs> I think I'll get used to it. I, I like it the more I see it on these new covers that Eric's been releasing. I, I still don't think I like it better than the original, but right. it's growing up. Yeah, I mean, I don't hate it, but intolerance phase. The minute you see it, though, doesn't it just convey new? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think so. I don't know. No? I don't know. It seems a little, I don't know, retro to convey new. I don't know. I mean, for this book. I mean, it's, you know, it's different, but it doesn't suggest new as in shiny iPod <laughs> sleek. I don't know. I mean, I like it, though, because it's classic. It, 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 I feel like it will still hold up 10 years from now, whereas you look at a lot of old 90s books and stuff like that, yeah. and you look at some of those, those, uh, I don't know. I still you think know, it looks too much logos. like a font. Yeah. I mean, the Savage Dragon, the current logo is like, it's created to be a logo. You know, like, 
this it, this just looks like a font, and I guess I mean it works for what it does, but it doesn't it is doesn't really feel memorable, at least to me. Yeah. You're not zoning in on that distinct triple A triangle, the A V A. I can't every time I look at this logo, it's it's like uh, I can't stop looking at it. Was it tangents? <laughs> yeah, no, it's good though. <laughs> it's that kind of visual thing that like pattern that like draws your eye in. Oh well, that's nerdy, but I don't care. So should we move on to the next bit of information Let's. here? Uh, Savage Dragon 20th anniversary signing event is uh, going to be in Oakland, California. Eric uh, will be appearing at Collector's Haven, uh, which again is in Oakland, uh, to do a special signing in honor of the 20th anniversary of Savage Dragon. Uh, it's going to be held Saturday, August 31st from 1 to 3 p.m., and according to Collector's Haven, if there's time permitting, Eric has agreed to do one or two commission pieces. Uh, for further details, you can go to dragonfan.net, and we've got the story up there with a link to uh, Collector's Haven's Facebook page, so you can uh, get all the information uh, if you are in that area to get down there and get some books signed. Wish I was there. I know East Coast love. We need some. Some. He's not apparently. He's not making it to Baltimore Con this year. Stinks. No, no. So I guess our FinCast get together will have to be postponed another year. Uh, yeah, unless is I don't know. Is there another New York Comic Con coming or I, anything? I, I, I don't know. I, don't, I haven't heard anything from Eric that he was going to any East Coast cons. Yeah, <laughs> that's usually where I catch him is in Baltimore. So, oh well. Someday, someday. So uh, let's jump into our uh, trivia uh, trivia segment. Um, last episode's question was: At the 2004 Wizard World Chicago convention, Eric Larson was giving away a limited edition promotional item to promote the Savage Dragon for President story arc. What was the promotional item? Did you guys know this? I had no clue. <laughs> I had my suspicions. I thought it was like a button. Yeah. But. Well, we got a couple of letters, and both people who wrote in got the right answer. Uh, we had John Penozzi, who wrote in. He said, the promotional item given away at the 2004 Wizard World Chicago Con was a limited edition Dragon slash Yaras in 04 bumper sticker. So, oh my God! That I just was realized correct. the pun. You did not. <laughs> Dragging your ass. <laughs> I, I'll be honest. I thought your ass was just funny because your ass. I never really put the connection. The dragon part. Jim. Jim. <laughs> you did not. It was the whole joke the whole time. Dragging your ass. I do want ass. one of those stickers. I <laughs> I've I think I've seen them somewhere once online, but I haven't seen them in years. But uh, it's a pretty cool little, like, a political kind of bumper sticker. I don't know anyone that has one. Do you? Check eBay. Yeah. I bet there won't be any. <laughs> no, I did check. Actually, I was thinking about giving it away as a prize if I could find one, but... They're all stuck to anyway. 2004 automobiles. <laughs> that's it you'll have to it, that'll be like this the like story of uh craig's hunt it will end with him having to buy a 2004 like a total like dud of a vehicle like a hoopty 
04 Civic with a John Kerry bumper sticker on the other side. <laughs> yeah. Like, look, man, can't you just sell me the bumper? Eh, eh. <laughs> um, our good friend uh, Gavin also wrote in of course he got the right answer he said it was a dragging your ass bumper sticker and I still need to get one from somewhere oh. so if he still if he, he doesn't, doesn't have, have one, one we're in trouble I guess the rest yeah. of the story was that you look over and Gavin's in the bushes with a gun <laughs> <laughs> about to snipe you as you buy the last dragging your ass bumper sticker so since we don't have a copy of the bumper sticker to give out and Gavin is disqualified because he's Savage Dragon's editor, uh, we have an exclusive item that was featured at another con for the winner. So for guessing the correct answer, John Pinozzi wins uh, a 1996 WonderCon exclusive variant of Savage Dragon 27. Nice. Wait, isn't so, that the president issue? Uh, the Obama Number issue? 27? Which is no number twenty-seven. I don't know. I I don't know. I was curious which one it is. No number twenty-seven. If you remember, twenty-seven was the cover of like um, uh, Rapture, uh, asking Dragon oh, oh, to marry issue him. Oh, issue twenty-seven. Oh, yeah. I thought you said one twenty-seven. No, Uh-oh. I could hear you typing away in the background. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to see it. <laughs> the the um. The variant is like Dragon's face of like shock. And his puckered So like hips. if you had, yeah, if you had the original, it was like Rapture's face, and then the variant, the, the WonderCon variant, He's is Dragon's up reaction. Saying, no. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a pretty cool variant. I like the play on that. Yeah, I mean, she's saying, "Will you marry me?" And he's saying, "No." It's actually pretty interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's um, a so, pretty yeah. sweet swag. Yeah, so John, uh, send in your uh, address information, and we'll get that out to you. Is it true, I just want to ask Craig before we move along, that this is your plan to get the mailing address of all Savage Dragon fans so that you can kill them all and become the new Gavin? <laughs> you got it. I knew it. dragging your yeah. ass the whole time. I mean, <laughs> Winston, your ass the whole time. It just made so much sense. Actually, all I need is Gavin's address. <laughs> well, once you eat his address. heart, you gain all his powers. <laughs> That's it. So like or once I eat his heart, I just grab all his original art. <laughs> that, that's one of his powers. <laughs> <laughs> so Say let's it. talk about uh, this episode's question. It's a real fishy one. <laughs> so for this episode, the uh, question is, Name the comic book issues in which Mako, whose real name is Lou Drum, appears as his normal human self. And we're going to step up the ante here. The winner for this one will receive the Chris Giarusso variant cover to Savage Dragon 183. So Chris G, you know, the guy did um, G-Man, did that little cartoony cover of Savage Dragon 183, mm-hmm. which is very hard to find. Is it? Yeah, it's it's pretty difficult. Interesting, because I got that one in my pull box. Nice. But Jim, you don't buy physical comics anymore. I was at the time. Aha! It was, that was like last fall. I didn't switch until December. Okay. So if you guys out there don't have that variant copy and you need it... Scour your issues. Answers in. Yep, All Mako uh, appearances. Even ones we don't know about. 
You guys can uh, send your responses to savagefincast at gmail.com, and uh, we'll read your answers on the next uh, episode. We will. And we'll praise you mightily. It's a thing that we do. (laughs) And uh, last but not least, in terms of uh, reading letters to the show, um, this wasn't in regards to the trivia, but we got um, a post on dragonfan.net in regards to the last episode from uh, listener Nicholas Grayson. And he wrote in saying, this was a great episode. Um, I was surprised how well the hosts enjoyed slash followed the Jennifer subplot. I had no idea what was happening. The breaking up of the story over multiple pages and the awkward reveal of Gertie and Helen confused me to no end. And the deuce ex machina of negate was a total cop out. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I love I guess, that uh, as a as a comment. That's such a fan because it starts so positive and then yeah, it was, you know, all downhill. So I don't know. What did you guys think? I mean, I didn't think we were. He says he's surprised at how well the hosts enjoyed the subplot. Uh, I I thought we said we were a little confused. One I mean, of you hated it outright or didn't care. I didn't care Raven because didn't I care. guess I was real indifferent because to me. I, I came into the series super piecemeal. Right. Um, so for me, the whole like Helen, Gertie, yada, yada, it just didn't have any kind of, and I had no connection to, uh, you know, her sister or the siblings. What was it? Bloop and uh, right. Animal. I just no connection there really. So for me, I didn't, it didn't drag it down, but I was just like, Nyeh. I found it interesting, but I thought the execution was a little bit, subpar because I thought a lot more could have been done with the whole dual personality of mutation. It was never played up. It just sort of was... This was basically they was just thrown out there and then finished in like a few pages and I thought more could have been done with that. So I was disappointed. I I feel like, you know, Eric's just trying to wrap things up on the old chapter of Savage Dragon and move on and he had this kind of sitting out there and it was just his way of quickly... You know, finishing it up, but I did think it was weird to kind of bring Bloop and Animal into it. Yeah. You know, as as her brothers, and I I still I think I talked about it on the episode. I'm just confused about why it was never mentioned before. Why you know, it just seems to be like, oh yeah, that's our sister, but you know, they never mentioned Jennifer was their sister previously, and Jennifer never mentioned anything about her brothers being in the vicious circle. So it just seemed really weird to me, and I, I just I don't get it. And I know we'll talk about it, but Bloop and Animal kind of appear in this issue too, and it just, in this issue 190, which we're going to talk about, and it just seems to me like, I don't know why they're being like just pushed in front so much in these last few issues like they were any kind of a major character, because they really weren't. But they're, they're yeah. tied to a major, semi-major character. I mean, we'll, we'll talk yeah, about it. Um, Even yeah. the connection was flimsy. Yeah. yeah. I, I, will, what do you, I will agree that I feel Negate is a bit of a deus ex machina. Which I was okay a literal, with. A literal walking one. And I, I just realized, I think I called it deus instead of deus ex machina. So I feel like an idiot for pronouncing that I wrong. never liked Negate conceptually because he just kind of feels like a i don't know a reset button i i I wouldn't be sad if he got his head knocked off soon (laughs) yeah he's a he's he's kind of a cool character i mean he takes away people's powers but i think i think he was cool when johnny redbeard was giving everybody powers he was kind of like 
his insurance, it made sense. But now he's just kind of a random dude who shows up when he's needed. I don't know. I like the idea yeah. of him because there's not really a character whose powers are to remove other characters' powers. I guess just not. Maybe I'm not thinking of it. But like, eh, you know, you are right. He doesn't have enough presence. I think it's kind of funny that he's such a dorky, crappy-looking dude. But at the same time, you get the f- that there's like kind of a respect there because here's a guy that if he touches you, you're just a normal guy. Right. So it is kind. Of, I like a lot about you know what's negate. I like a lot about the character. But as far as him just popping up or whatever, yeah. I don't guess I felt like it was a total cop out. It was just kind of it was left field. Yeah. Negate had like yeah. this one really good scene I think back during Gang War where some guy was trying to take over and then he didn't have powers anymore and got murdered. I mean that was funny. <laughs> but that's but that's yeah. like that's yeah. like all Negate's good for, really. Yeah. I don't know. He's like a secret weapon. You yeah. know, he's like yeah. he's like your only he's not because you don't see him enough like in that role. Yeah. Like I can't like when Dragon got negated and Jennifer got not got negated. It's like I if I remember correctly, I can't remember the exact circumstances, but he just sort of his arm just reaches out and grabbed him out of nowhere with like no setup. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. That's almost always how he is always in the book though. So it's kind of like his shtick almost. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're uh, both like, now no, I no. will say I, well, I, well, <laughs> yeah. just, just, we're, we're getting dwelling on this a little long but I wanted to also comment yeah. on his comment about how the the issue kept jumping between uh, scenes I actually like that a lot I, yeah, I thought I'm, it I'm was a, a good way to divide the issue and keep it yeah I'm with you there forward. I thought that worked pretty good but that's just I mean that that was the only part of the issue that was a little shaky for me I love the issue other than that yeah. I will end this then by saying, "Sweet Domino Avatar, Nicholas Grayson." And thank you, <laughs> and thank you for commenting. Yes, thank you for commenting. And if you want your comments read live on the internet, <laughs> comment. <laughs> SavageFinCast at gmail dot com. Write us. Anyway, Savage Dragon one ninety one, fellas. What do you say we tear into it? Ah, uh, you read off the agenda. Savage Dragon one ninety. <laughs> 190, well, that's We aren't what that clairvoyant. I mean, we're a day early, but not a month. That's what I meant in my soul. <laughs> so, so 190, how awesome is it that we get a digest version and a regular size version? I'd say on a scale of 1 to 10, it's about a 12, 12 and a half of awesome. Yeah. I want to be more excited, but I do not have the digest version, so... We'll see. I, I'm going to see if I can get it. It's unfortunate because I think you, Raven, would appreciate what I'm about to say about the Digest version. Okay, this is going to sound incredibly weird, and, and like I don't know if it's going to go anywhere, but Eric Larson has created American manga. <laughs> this needs clarification. Okay. Manga isn't an art style. Manga is Japanese comics, and they're made in a certain way. Basically, they're smaller in size, fewer panels. If you took this issue of Savage Dragon and took the color out and stuck it in Weekly Shonen Jump between Toriko and One Punch Man, you'd never be able to tell the difference. Uh, because so the, the, format, pace. the formatting and the pace is like... It's like... I, I just... The, reading the thing, that's the first thing that jumped to my mind is the pacing and the, and the style and the formatting just seem like manga to me. 
isn't it a lot more pages? Well, I, uh, a little bit. I think it is a little long compared to some. But they, uh, well, some manga I've read goes like forty-five pages sometimes. Oh, I meant it's a lot more, a lot more pages compared to an American issue. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's a lot longer too. Well, that's nice. It's deceptively I love, long, I guess. I love the digest format. It. I like how you have more pages gives you twice the amount of chances for surprises. Yeah. If you know what I'm saying, like you know. Uh, just kind of turn the page and new scene or whatever. Like y- your eyes can't see what's coming next. Right. We should probably clarify what exactly Eric has done here. Oh yeah, in case you don't know, he designed he he designed the format of issue 190 around this digest size. And digest in this case is something about the size of one of those Archie digests that they used to sell at grocery stores. If you're old they enough to remember, I mean, they, they, still, they still, still do, still but do they aren't as prevalent yeah. as they were. Like, right. I mean, it used to be I could find them, agree with I that. could find them in my small town supermarkets like 10 years ago. Now I can't even find them at like Walmart or anything, but they're still out there, but they're, they're not as common as they used to be. Um, but anyway, it's about that size. Um, but in this case, where in those comics, typically they take the full size comics and just shrink them down into the digest. Eric has taken the digest size itself and created his comic with those dimensions in mind. So the panels, if I, if, if I'm correct, I, I believe a friend of the yeah. show, Adam uh, Pruitt did a side by side comparison and showed that the panels in the digest edition are the same size as the ones in the, re- in the regular American comic size edition. Right. Right. They are. So, so it's not just Eric shrinking down he's art. He's not shrinking down art at all. He's keeping them the same size. What he's done is he, 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 he created it for this digest size, but then took the same panels, rearranged them into uh, American comic dimensions, and created a second edition in regular comic size. Right. So the digest is 64 pages, and uh, regular um, one's 32, the comic is 32. 32. And... Basically, he wrote the issue for the digest format, but in order for people to have their collection, yeah. you know, with all the same size Dragon comics and not having one comic that was like half the size, yeah. he, you know, he decided he he made a regular comic version. So I think the comic actually reads better because it was made for the digest. Yes. But you're not missing. I mean. I can't say you're not missing out on much because you definitely should try to read the digest version because it's just awesome. But right, it's like you get the same content, just not executed the same, the same way. It's way. like you mentioned how there's more pages. Basically, every time you turn a page, there's another surprise. In the regular one, where like two pages, yeah, basically two pages. Where in this case, you'd have like a left page, left side of page cliffhanger into another one in two pages. It's now one page. Yeah. So it, it doesn't it does it if it, it, it reads fine, but it's not the way it's supposed to be. I guess the way it was scripted. I will right. say, uh, reading only the standard format thus far, uh, I would like because I I'm gonna I'm gonna find it if I don't you know if they can't get it for me I'm gonna get one. But um, having only read the what's cool about the experiment, then what I'm getting is that for me, I didn't feel like my regular issue was lacking in any way. Okay. Like it didn't feel like, oh man, you know, this was meant to be a page flip surprise. So 
I think then if what you're if that's what you're saying that you feel like it was more perfect for the digest, I think I'll add to it that I think it was kind of an awesome experiment because I don't feel like my normal issue was compromised by the experiment. Well, I'll, I, I had the opportunity to read both editions. I read the okay. Digest first, and then I read the regular edition. One thing you did sort of miss out on is, you know how all those, like, um, not not half-page uh, big panels, like what would be a big splash page or a double-page splash? Like on the very first page, Like on the very right? first page. Very first page, you see, like, yeah. that little you uh, quarter page splash in the digest that is a splash page okay in and then there's a few points in this where you see like on the regular size comic you have almost like two separate scenes on one page whereas in the digest version you know the two scenes are separated okay okay and well and you'll see as i'll point it out when we get to that but um but yeah, you don't get any splash pages on the on the regular version. Well, there's the regular there size version. There is sort of a double page splash, but it's like a double page splash with multiple panels. Yeah. But you get full splashes that are a lot more effective, I think, in the digest version. Yeah. Digest version. But like you said, Raven, if you never saw the digest version, you don't know what you're missing. Yeah. If you see the digest version, you're like, oh, I can see how this was written for the digest size, and what? it's a little more effective. What's cool is I did get to see Adam's breakdown um, of how the panel flow works. So I understand that it's kind of an awesome way to work because he didn't, as long as he followed a certain set of like panels, like uh, grid format, like basically he couldn't just willy nilly make whatever layout he wanted. He had to stick to kind of this formula, but as long as he stuck to that formula of panels, he was going to be able to split the art up on the pages without, you know, having to resize anything. Yeah. And it's really cool. I think we had just the tiniest touch on this uh, topic before we started. But you were saying, Jim, that you felt it was perfect for an iPad? Yes. The, uh, for the, the, the digest is a side effect of this digest format. It's a little bit wider, I mean, um, ratio-wise than a standard American comic where a standard American comic on an iPad would have like black bars on the left and right side while you're reading it. This right. one fills the screen completely. And so nice. it's seamless. Cause it's more of like almost more square shape. Right. Not quite. But. Right. Actually, if I remember correctly, the iPad is a four, uh, three, like an old, oldie style television. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's exact. It's exactly that size, uh, ratio-wise. Whereas modern televisions are sixteen nine, which makes them widescreen yeah. like television. I mean, like movies. So okay. yeah, that's one of the things about the iPad is it isn't actually wide. It is widescreen, but it's not that widescreen. It's weird. It is kind of oh. weird, but it's great for comics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's awesome. I think uh, if you had a format, granted, it takes away your freedom as a creator. But it would be fantastic to see another creator. Obviously, when you're in Savage Dragon, like you're in so many issues deep, you can't just suddenly stick to like rigid like panel formats. But it is kind of cool as an experiment, and that's what's awesome. I always tell like my friends that I'm trying to get to read the book, or and it seems like I can get comic creators hooked on this book so easy. Because I tell them, and it's like Joe Keating said this little comment about like Savage Dragon being uh, 
underappreciated for its experimentation. Mm-hmm. But like, if you're a comic artist, this book's insane because there's always some cool comic, like idea like the idea that you could make a format that would work perfect for ipads it would work perfect for manga it would work perfect for traditional format comics all with you not doing anything other than just sticking to a rigid grid system right that's awesome because i can tell you your normal pages i mean well jim you read pages all the time on it it's not necessarily the same thing to read a comic that was shoved on the iPad as it was something that was designed with its ratio in mind, right? right? There's, there's like, a uh, good example is um, Brian K. Vaughn's, um, oh, what's it called? Uh, the Private Eye. You know, that, that, that digital comic he's been... Have you guys been following this at all? I heard about no. it. Okay. Not Brian K. Vaughn, big superstar comic creator, Why the Last Man saga, cool guy. He's got a, he's got a digital comic called the private eye it's a sci-fi comic one of its uh core premises it's only available digitally so it's designed for the digital format in mind so it's it's basically a comic flipped on its side widescreen and Hmm. yeah it's made specifically to be read in the landscape format not necessarily filling the screen but in a more natural way that the digital, your computer screen, your, your 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 tablet is designed for all of those things rather than print. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of very interesting things going on with digital right now for in format. Format. I don't know if I've ever brought it up in the show, but I'm kind of obsessive about format <laughs> because it's kind of there's just so many things you can do with comics, uh-huh. and for some reason our industry is locked into like whatever size the American comic is. And it's very hard to convince anybody that any other shape is valid. Yeah. Well, I think a lot has to do, too, with, you know, brick-and-mortar stores, too. And, like, I was thinking, you know, why won't more people do Digest? But, you know, you start – you compare a Digest size issue to, like, a full-size issue, and now your your shelf kind of uh, retail space is a lot smaller. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you're, you're – I mean- what if, if, what, you know, you're a lot less noticeable. Like, what if somebody made a, a comic in this digest size, like, from the beginning? And, like, they made it so that it's for the digital, and then they also the print editions in digest form. I mean, the, the possibilities are endless. That's what yeah. I was saying was so cool about this, because it does answer, like, multiple problems layout-wise. I mean, I am designing for print. I'm not super worried about digital, and... Really, that's just my preference, but it's kind of like, you know, when people, when I go to a friend's house and they have the resolution bad on their monitor and I see how crappy my work looks, I hate it. So it's just kind of one of those things where it's kind of cool that here's this like format that really, within one swoop, kind of answers like, oh, it's print, looks good on an iPad, you know, it's digest, so it fits good on a screen. You know, I mean, your, I your know. comic that you got printed is digest sized, right? Or at least it's. Nah, it's bigger. Oh, it is bigger. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yep. I was kind of imagining like a little digest manga size book. They tried to sell me on digest, but I was like, nah. Massive. <laughs> go big. Go big or go home. It'll be interesting to see that thing. Wait till you see. It's good. It's a good looking book. <laughs> Moving along, I guess. Yeah, we should actually get into the issue now 
It was yeah, just such we, an uh, awesome format experiment. It was. What I yeah, want, seriously, it, it deserves a lot of talk about the actual and you know, format. And that's the worst part is apparently this thing got ordered really poorly. Yeah. Very, very low numbers, yeah. So get your well, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't think, you know, unless you were a diehard fan, I don't think that a lot of people knew that there was a digest. You know, you'll get two versions, you know, or I, it, it seemed like it was hard to find that information out up until like the last minute. I think Eric made a mistake releasing a, a standard size issue the same week. I think he should have made the digest version the regular edition and then put out a, a, a regular size version a month later. Mm, do yeah, you think I'm that would have sure made people mad? It, I don't know. I mean, as long as he announced it in advance, and then yeah, yeah I don't know. It's like it's like the Savage Dragon Seven thing where he came out with a replacement issue in the future. Oh, okay. It's kind of like that. I mean, he. I think he should have stuck to his guns and made this be the issue. OCD collectors be damned. <laughs> yeah, but you know, he's not at a point where he can afford to lose more readers so i don't know i mean i guess i don't know how those things kind of work but you know i'm just happy to have either option as we go through you guys uh, where you have the uh you know option you should you know comment on things that were executed that you know work better you think in the digest format right all right well let, let's move along and get through this because we do have a lot to talk about there's two backups on top of this and we're already oh, almost yeah. an hour into this um so the, the big thing but, about this issue is it, it it kind of um centers around dragons in prison and so is mako and as we all know mako has got a chip on his shoulder about dragon because he's convinced that dragon is at fault for killing the original dart of who mako loved so it's revenge in Mako's eyes. It is. Shot at revenge. Justifiable. Yeah. Of course, Dragon. And we also we have a dual revenge story here too because we have uh, Osgood, who was your ass's Ronald Winston, your ass's right hand man. Right. Of course, last issue, and Ronald Winston, your ass got his head, his brains went out the back of his head, thanks to Dragon. Right. And so now his assistant is taking over his role. Or at least trying to. I'm kind of. And he's gonna. Go I'm kind of curious about this Osgood character and uh, why he's. Uh, I don't know. He's still pretty gung ho about your ass's uh, schemes. But he already, you can see that the scheme, and we should just mention that apparently everything, like the trial and like Dragon getting you know cornered in prison by like cellmates and stuff, was supposed to be part of your ass's plan. So. Right. When when he's talking, even on page one, you know, Osgood says, I don't quite have the pull. So already the plan is kind of falling apart, you know? Yeah, right. But he's working with Mako to kind of give him a shot at Dragon. Because, I mean, Dragon's tough enough. I mean, he gets he'll get beat up, but ultimately he'll probably overcome all these other mooks. But Mako might be the one guy who can take him one-on-one. Right. So we should call that page one two. Page one. <laughs> page one two. I gotta tell you, I love the first page in this in the splash. It's just Mako in your face. Yeah. <laughs> and that's for the yeah, Raven, and you can't see it. You can't see it. <laughs> oh, she. But he's I, there. 
Oh, shucks, fellas. He's plenty big on my page. Then, Although I, so, I will say Mako looks if you if you look at Mako closely in a in a in a straight on shot he looks a little weird. Yeah, so I don't know it's just like he's got a circle for a head you can't really see his nose I guess it just <laughs> he just always looks weird to me on a straight on shot. He's a yeah, shark. I like it. But... He's a shark man. He's got that shark man shaped head. So in this next scene, I had a couple of things I wanted to point out. This next scene that's in the book is is Dragon talking to Malcolm. It's kind of like visiting hours, of, you know. And they kind of discuss how, you know, Dragon killed your ass. So I guess it's kind of public knowledge that he did that. Yeah, I think uh, so. <laughs> in the last in the last issue, he spit his tooth through his head. In, in the, how does in that the even work? Page. I mean, is he like arrested again? Does he got to go to trial for murder again? I think, though, you. I mean, I don't know. It seems to me, I can't pinpoint any specific event in my life, but it seems like to me when there was prison violence from somebody who was well-known, like when Jeffrey Dahmer got killed, we, everybody knew. So yeah. it's, it's kind of like, it's not quite that, you know, dragons like Jeffrey Dahmer or whatever, but I'm saying that here's this guy who's, you know, in the public eye in a ton of scandal, for you know murder and he's in prison and he's killing people so it seems to me fairly logical that people would be like oh god you know he's a killer and he's in prison he's not stopped those can't possibly help and that's really what dragon and malcolm are talking about here because malcolm killed battle axe last issue by accident (laughs) i like that his old man throws it up in his face (laughs) well and here's the other thing where i had a question about though his he throws up like the the whole battle axe thing. He talks about how Malcolm killed Warren Terror, and then he says, "You let that school bully Adrian Weatherspoon get killed." And where did that come from? I, did he really? I don't remember well, that. I, I thought was, just the Tyranians came and ripped him apart. I didn't know he. I think Malcolm was there, and I mean, he is supposed to be a hero, or at least he presents himself as one. So if you got an innocent civilian getting eviscerated in front of you, it doesn't look good. Yeah, but I don't – I don't know. I guess I just felt like it was like they were attacked by you know, these crazy monsters and it was just – I didn't feel like Malcolm kind of stepped back and did nothing about it. Really? Because my memory – I don't remember. My well, memory I I, was Weatherspoon intentionally confronted the monster instead of oh, hiding yeah. it. showing off. That's kind of a good point is that right, Spoon I mean, did all step not- up and be like, hey – yeah, and I don't understand how Malcolm's to blame for it, but it, it's a weird thing for Dragon to say. But that's a, it's a public son. perception thing. Like, yeah. well, presumably, Weatherspoon might have a mother or a father who basically is pissed at Malcolm for letting him get killed, and then it gets into the press, and then it becomes like a thing. Malcolm's not responsible, but the public sees him as responsible, much like I Dragon. Guess. I just thought it was weird for for Dragon to say that. Well, I think anyway. he's just given um, Malcolm some sage advice that. Learn from my example. The things you do eventually come back to haunt you. Even if they're not your responsibility, you've got to take responsibility. That fits, I think, really well when you think of it that way. Because Malcolm's whole thing is he's like, I didn't mean to kill her. She was choking me. So it's kind of one of those things like, like, yeah, he didn't mean for the spoon to get killed. But, you know, it's kind of like you can justify it however you want. When people see, you know, things, they're going to make their own opinions. I guess that works. Yeah. And then I, I also uh, learned a new word. I had no idea what the hell who's gal mean meant. I'd never heard that before. You'd never heard that? 
I have never heard. I don't know why. I just never heard that. And I guess it's a term for prison. It's old timey. It's, it's like based on wagon. like Spanish language or some you know some Spanish word. The big for house. Prison. It is like yeah. paddy wagon. <laughs> the slammer. And I have to admit, I love bearded dragon, all grizzled. It looks kind of cool. My favorite dragon facial hair. Such a coincidence. Didn't I mention it last issue? Shows up later. Handlebar mustache. Now, <laughs> now would be a good time for Santa Claus to show up again and put him back in the sleigh. Fantastic. It'd be a good time for him to take up the Santa Claus role again. All, all he needs to put on those round rim glasses, and we got it. So moving on, we, we get a, a the scene with uh, Cyril and Ferris, which uh, was Bloop and Animal. They're a lot more handsome now. <laughs> yeah, and they, they're back to normal humans since the gate changed them back, and they came to visit their mom, who's also Jennifer Jennifer's mom. You know they've turned yeah. another leaf because they're wearing uh, um, sweater vests. Sweater vests. <laughs> Douchebags. <laughs> so I guess we just get closure there on that. They just talk about being a normal family again, and they're making peace with their mom and now or something. I don't now know. you guys probably don't remember this any better than I do, but I could have swore that Miss Murphy here was senile the last time Dragon talked to her. Hmm. I I take by your silence that you don't remember either. No, mm. I do remember that, but I mean she still may be. I mean. Who knows? <laughs> One of her good days. <laughs> I don't know. I just could have swore that when Dragon went to her for help, she was, like, useless. Yeah. And now she seems a bit more coherent, but I don't know. Well, she even remembers a few years back. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what confused me, because I could have swore that her memory was going and that she could remember something like that in this scene. It just seemed strange but i might be misremembering or reading too much into it sadly this is where my lack of interest in like their family i just don't remember i forgot that he went and talked to her mom jennifer's mom at any point i totally yeah, it was just, in the, the godland issue i totally glazed glazed over so yeah i forgot all about it like i said doesn't slow the book down for me it's just a page Oh, it's two for you, It bums. is two for me. i got to deal two of these pages. Eat <laughs> <laughs> it. Where's your beloved digest now? <laughs> no, but uh, it, was, uh, you know, it was just a page. It didn't bother me. I was like, okay, you know, if these characters need closure, I guess they're getting it. So, good deal. So, um, we get another, like... Uh... Where one, where one, where one family closes, another opens up to us. <laughs> this page is awesome. Yeah, Maxine is introducing Malcolm to her to her family finally. I love the judgmental look of silence. I don't, I don't know what it is, but I love this sort of Malcolm stuff with him just <laughs> trying to deal with like normal stuff. It's like he's so out of his element, or like it's Spider-Man. It, That's what's it's Spider-Man. It's it, great. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Well, you think Peter Parker, what was so great about Peter Parker? It wasn't how awesome a Spider-Man he was. It was that he had to deal with his normal Spider-Man stuff, too. I mean, like a normal teenager stuff plus being Spider-Man. So when right. you got like superhero Malcolm trying to make a good impression <laughs> on his girlfriend's parents, it's 
Nice. I like how he doesn't like the cuisine. He's not a big fan of dim sum. You know, Craig, the word that I didn't quite get is that the very last panel where Maxine goes snag. I was like, huh? And she's going to eat it. Oh, okay. She's reaching over to see get it. See her hand. She oh, that's her hand. See how it's not green? Oh, God. Yeah. I think I'm I so... made that same mistake, actually. Wait, I... you think Malcolm eats like double-fisted chopsticks? <laughs> <laughs> He's got the hands for it. He's a big guy. <laughs> I don't know what I thought. I feel like a total ass now. <laughs> She's clearly reaching over to get his stuff. I prefer to think in my world he double fists the chopsticks. So you asked me to tell you which part was better digest than full size. And this yes. next scene, if you look at the full size issue, you get the Church of Savage Dragon. Their scene is almost combined and it gets a little confusing with the dragon talking to his lawyer scene. So you get like, uh, I don't know, one, two, three, five panels of, or four panels of the church. And then the next panel, it's dragon talking to his lawyer Smith. But if you're just following panel to panel, you don't, you know, you don't know who's talking in that bubble. Do you know what I'm saying here? Yes, mm. I know exactly what you're saying. My problem is, I guess, I didn't have a disconnect. Like, the minute I saw, to me, that's kind of like your standard shot of Stronghold Penitentiary. Right. And it, it, it works, but if you looked at it on the Digest version, those first four panels of the church, people are on one page. So when you flip right. the page, I get, I get what you're, you're into your next scene. I, you know what it is? The background color is the same. The sky. the sky, yeah, the sky could be different. So it's hard to tell it's been a scene transition because once you get in the prison, it's got this green tint to it, so you can tell it's another scene. Yeah, but, but it would, I mean, to the credit of the colorist, they're right outside the prison. Yeah, I mean, that's... So yeah. it would be weird to have the sky a different color because it would almost indicate like a time change right. too or something. That's true, yeah, but it's almost like point. a color tangent. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. good but, point. But again, it was written for the digest, so it, it works, you know, as a, a flip of the page, and that's one thing that's a little, you know, you wouldn't really notice it if you didn't read the digest. But reading the digest, it, it works better yeah. as separate pages. You know what I like that Helen Page is still around. Yeah, me too. And that she's as crazy as ever in dealing with these crazy people. Yeah, I like that she didn't just go away because that makes her previous story arc thing not feel so much like house cleaning because yeah. it kind of she's still as fanatical as ever she's like a member of the church yeah and it's a logical place for her to go too right i like smith poor bastard he's got the <laughs> hardest job in the world yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's why he's bald stress I love this next scene is that pure Malcolm Gold, Malcolm Maxine Gold. Anytime these two are on the same page doing normal. You know what's so funny? So here's what I was going to say earlier and I forgot. Okay, so the the Savage Dragon family stuff, I think you guys were divided. Didn't you say you loved it and one of you was like didn't care or whatever? Right. But this stuff, this stuff works for me so much better. Because I guess, I don't know. Like, reading about a guy and his home life and his wife and his, like, bratty little kid, that's not maybe the best reading. Not everybody can so much relate to that. Right. But 
everybody has been trying to impress their hard to impress girlfriend. Right. Even or, or at least we can relate to it. Or we can relate to it exactly. Or the parents disapproving of you. You know, it's good stuff. I'm also a big fan of uh, Malcolm's yellow pineapple uh, swim shorts. Yeah, <laughs> they're awesome. <laughs> well, you, you know what? You, well, you, you guys, did you catch what happened here in this scene? Malcolm has effectively proposed to Maxine. Yeah, yeah, That's more a big or less. Deal. <laughs> and he's just like, hey, just be patient. Yeah, but he's also 16, so yeah. it really doesn't mean much. He's banking on her getting blown in half. Jesus. Yeah, let, let's not. <laughs> let's hope not. Yeah, yeah, sure, I'll marry you. Whatever, baby. <laughs> yeah, you can have two rings. <laughs> Didn't you read my uh, dad's book? Uh, all normal, non-powered girls get killed eventually. Yeah, exactly. I'll invite Overlord to the wedding. <laughs> he can walk you down the aisle. <laughs> well, that's the one thing. I'm surprised that her parents would let her hang around with him. Just for that. Yeah, it's a little bit odd, but I don't know. Superhero universe. Rules don't apply. Yeah. So I'm a big fan of this next scene. Is it because Dart? It's Dart, isn't it? (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, I'm not a huge Dart fan. I like her, but I I mean, I I like evil Dart and stuff, but I just like that uh, she's taken on, you know, Vicious Circle members that are loyal to fire... uh, it's his name Firepower, yeah. mm-hmm. the new head of the VC. So you got a, a bunch of uh, uh, VC goons, old school guys mixed with some of the newer guys. And basically, you know, they're like, oh, crap, Dart's coming in. She's already killed, what do they say, she's already killed eight guys. or She's already killed eight Vicious Circle guys, and she's taken out everyone loyal to Firepower. And, you know... One of the guys is basically like, so what? She's a you know a girl with a sword that throws darts at people. <laughs> and it's famous last words. <laughs> I'm not sure she's throwing a dart at anyone lately. No, she's got those... Uh, Freaking God, God sword. God sword. That thing's absurd. Until so they let's invent- talk... Go ahead. I was going to say, until they invent the God dart, I don't think she has a reason <laughs> for that, you know? Maybe she can melt down the sword into like little darts. You know, sometimes I, sometimes I wonder about the god sword. Like, how do you put it down without it falling through the earth? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Maybe there's it's a like, god sword holster. I don't know. My assumption is it's it's basically a magic sword that cuts anything it touches. It basically, basically, you don't need to actually put any effort into cutting someone apart. That would be the only way I could see a sword as being extra badass is if it would just cut through whatever, like it was air. Right, exactly. I mean, like hot knife through butter. Yeah, the, the, yeah. I mean, it's called a god sword for a reason. I mean, it's related to the god gun, so my assumption is, like, it's stupid, powerful artifact. Yeah. But it does seem to, I don't know, it's cool, it's a cool weapon, but I think Dart needs a little bit of a challenge. She's kind of cutting through these guys a little bit too easily. Right, that's, right. I think that's the point, though, is like raising her game, just making her be like, oh, she throws dart, she sucks. Right. I hated, I hated dart. Oh, I, I love was, dart. I love dart. I, she's got the I great was, costume, and she's got she's a great <laughs> finesse superhero. I was just one of the haters, though. I did not like the little like triangle with the dart on it on her forehead. I, <laughs> I that's hated, a little goofy, but I hated dart. But evil dart, I love. Yeah. 
Let's talk a little bit about the guy she kills. Oh, do we know any of them? <laughs> of course. So the first two guys she kills is Misfit, who's just shown up in one of those like squares during the gang war issues in like the 20s. And now the back of his We'd head never revealed. S- <laughs> yeah. He's the guy with the funky looking hair. Like the bald spot in the middle and the big long strands of hair on the top of his head. Like Wolverine and, going bald. Wait, you mean the guy with the Superman shield on his chest? No, no. The, no, the, no oh, oh you mean the purple hair. guy with, yeah. with the blue hair. Okay. I thought you were talking about the, the, the foreground character. The guy that's got uh, the Superman type symbol on his head. He's got a big old, looks like a lion mane. His name is Main Man. <laughs> oh my so god. He kinda sh- he's kind of a newer guy. He's showed up post like 100. <laughs> then, of course, you get Raw Dog, who's a fan favorite. Hate to see him go. He's uh, the guy that's all green with like the red circles on his head. And yeah. The- Crazy looking armor. Oh yeah, he's always kind of been around, and I know a lot of people liked him, so it sucks that he's gone. Uh, then the third, the fourth person to die is Roy Robot. He's basically the guy who's like, so what? She's a girl with a sword. <laughs> he just looks like a robot with little antenna ears. Well, he may not be dead. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? So he's gone, and then the last panel, you get a whole bunch of like guys dead. You get um. Let's see, Mega Maniac, who's kind of like an evil version of Savage Dragon's Mega Man guy. Do you remember the Mega Man guy that went after Dragon way back when and he touched the third rail? He's the one with the blue face armor with the hair coming out the top? Yeah, so I guess that's the evil version, Mega Maniac. Then you get... um, I'm thinking in the first panel, he's the blue one with the O on his chest, that guy? Okay. Yep. And then then the final panel of... The final panel of the um, – I'm looking at the final panel of the scene where Dart's just sitting in a whole massacre. Talking to all the severed heads because yeah. it's crazy. Yeah, the guy with the goggles is Bradley Peckerwood. <laughs> Fantastic. He's only shown up in the Dragon series number two, which was a reprint of the miniseries. With, he was in one of the extra pages that Eric put in. Okay. Wow. <laughs> then you get Lone Rider, who's the guy with like this kind of spiky hair, whose head is sitting up on a box. Yep. Okay. Same thing. He showed up in the Dragon Number Two. And then you get Plague, which is like the guy with the red head that's got the little like bluish mohawk. He showed up in Gang War, in one of the boxes. Oh, there are a lot of guys in this warehouse apparently. And then there was Tech, whose head is next to Plague. He's the robot head. Oh, okay. I thought that was like Actually, that dude's helmet. Nope. He's Tech 2 because there was already a guy named Tech. Uh-huh. If you look it up, you can look all this up on the Savage Dragon wiki. And if you look behind Dart's leg, the guy with like the wide eyes is Shaggy Mane. Ah. He's the severed head. I was wondering <laughs> who that was because his eyes are so cartoony. Yeah, he was also one of the guys from the gang war uh, issues who showed up in like one of those little like individual square panels. Okay. So basically, there's ten guys right there she just took out. (laughs) Good grief. That's why Evil Dark kicks ass. And this book needs an ass kicker, like of huge proportion. Like, you know, weren't we just crying? I wasn't, but you guys were. 
about how like they needed an overlord like presence. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, okay, I, I can see that. If Dark be- rose to prominence, and basically the God Sword is like the equivalent of Overlord just incinerating some guy who bothered him. Exactly. That would be pretty cool. Remember how he would just throw his hand out and boom, you were legs? <laughs> boom, you were legs. God Sword's the same way. Boom, your pieces. Yeah. Exactly. Giblets. <laughs> well, fantastic detective work, Craig. <laughs> I would have never guessed. Yeah. I thought some of those guys were the same guy. <laughs> I think it's actually just kind of fun trying to like look at that and guess who, who's dead because it happens so much. <laughs> Didn't he make a thing? He's like, if I had a big deal, if I made a big deal over every time like a character got killed, every issue would be a big deal. <laughs> oh, Eric said that, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he said that on his like Twitter. Yeah. So. Yeah. And it's true. Like, he kills so many dudes. <laughs> so let's, let's move on to this next scene, which kind of opens up the major scene of this issue of Mako finally confronting Dragon, who's in the mess hall, kind of eating. With the best facial hair ever. Oh, that's right. He's got the whole <laughs> Hogan going on now. Exactly. Handlebar mustache. I love that. He shaved at some so point. He- you can kind of see that there's some guys like behind them eating on on their uh, kind of cafeteria tables, mm-hmm. and you see um, Pucker, Pucker, and Ugly Johnny. And the funny thing on this scene is you don't see Ugly Johnny's right ear because remember, didn't Dragon bite it off on the last issue yeah. or rip it off? So oh, yeah. you you know you're wondering what's going on there. But we'll get back. To, we'll get to that in the next couple of pages. So anyway, you know, it, it's it's Mal, uh, it's Mako confronting Dragon, and it's a great joke about the last meal. Yeah, like, I was yeah. like, that that shit's funny. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just typical Dragon. You know, it's gonna be your last meal. I wish you told me earlier. I would have gotten the meatloaf. Fantastic. That's great. It's laughing in the face of danger without even looking away from your burger. I like when the end of this scene, they kind of pan out on that panel and like the whole cafeteria is empty. Like everyone kind of moved back. <laughs> yeah. Don't do anything you'll regret. Good stuff. Pretty sure Mako's well beyond the regret phase of his life. And I know it's because he's got a shark head, <laughs> but don't you feel like Mako doesn't really seem like he's lost his edge whereas dragon is clearly not quite the ass kicker he used to be i kind of like oh, yeah. mako's kind of got like see sharks in the wild if you watch nature documentaries they show a lot of their scarring from all the fighting they do in, in their lives yeah. mako's got that going on with his face yeah he looks grizzled he's he's got all the scars around his mouth area yeah it's awesome. his head and I think that's kind of a good way to show how much this guy has gone through his entire life. Yeah. Much like Dragon's I, uh, crow's feet. I have to admit, though, Dragon with like the handlebar mustache looks to me looks like more of an ass kicker. He looks grizzled. He is bad ass with that facial hair. I'm telling you, it's the bomb. I, you know, I didn't really think about this, but goddamn, is his hair white? <laughs> yeah. It's like grandpa white. He's not that old. He's any he like fifty issues. Still, though, I know some people go away. He's a uh, you don't know. Maybe it's his race. I mean, 
Think there of was, white earlier or something. There's a lot of white facial hair to old dudes in that uh, Zero issue. That's a good... I didn't even think about that. That's an interesting thing to check on. Plus, Maybe. we never know. Like, I mean, he never has more hair than arm hair or well, chest hair. His 5 o'clock shadow is always black, is all. Oh, yeah, and he did have the mustache at one point. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. It's just a good look for him, the stubble and everything. Get Gavin on the phone. He'll be the facial hair police. <laughs> I just like that it changed mid-issue. Because Savage Dragon is supposed to be like a month's time per issue. So yeah. it's just that nice little touch to remind you that, you know, time has passed. Yeah, definitely. And then on so, the next page. Yeah, the next scene we get uh, Malcolm kind of, uh, Mrs. Darling teaching Malcolm how to drive in a way, I guess. Mm-hmm. And again, Raven, this is where the regular book size book is different than the digest this is almost like one scene where you get Malcolm and and Miss Darling talking to uh, uh, Frank Jr. and it's all on the same page. In the digest, you see, you know, Miss Darling and Malcolm on one page, and then the following page you see, you know, Frank Jr. and Tierra. Oh, so it's a better so surprise. They split that scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, actually, yeah. I, it's not really a surprise, but it just kind of helps you like break the scene up with two different locations. There's a little bit of a surprise in there. I mean, the phone call comes, and it's then you turn the page, and it's Frank, and he's in the hospital. Yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, it's, it's, it's not a you know a huge surprise, surprise that it, but it, it's a fun little thing. Yeah, yeah. Because I immediately, you know how it is, I flip the page, and boom, pregnant, you know, pantsless. I'm like, okay. There we go. Right, right. I knew that's what the call was going to be about. So, yeah, yeah I, I could see that, yeah, where the Digest had it over it. Well, the Digest also has over is when you turn the next page. <laughs> Brack-a-ba-doom. That is a that's the double-page splash. And can I yeah. say, from a, from a sound effect, because we were bitching about sound effects, I am A-OK with that Brack-a-ba-doom. I love that shoe. Looking pretty nice. Actually, you know what? The this whole issue, the sound effects were pretty good in my mind. You know, I, I didn't. They weren't as jarring as before. So I don't know if I'm getting used to it, or if they're just doing a better job with yeah, them. Yeah, the the lines look thicker. I want to say it's getting better because, like, even on these sound effects, there's more variety. Yeah, yeah. There's a few that look really good. I love the Brackabadoon. The, the, the Chewman looks pretty good. There's, I'll tell you the page I like when we get to it, but there's there's some some good ones there that look not too bad. You know, while we're looking at this page, I'm sorry, but I just had to bring this up. This is such a word. So I would just call this comic trivia. Do you see how the lines like come off the edge of the panel? Yes. Did you know, Jim, in manga... There is an assistant that that is his lone chore to, uh, make, to do, draw speed lines. No, to, to do well. There's one for speed lines, but there's a guy that does clean up on the ones that go past the border. Oh, <laughs> just you know, just a little extra thing. Eric makes this book alone. I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> no assistant to get rid of the speed line lines. But it's just a little thing I noticed. Has no point, no value to that. Sorry. It's just a little Easter egg if you like, you know, comic creation facts. 
But I love that double page spread. It's it's pretty nifty. Thrakachoom. It's just a so, good so, scene with just so, both guys pummeling the crap out of each other. Yeah, this is the Mako dragon fight we've all been waiting for. Oh, yeah. It was awesome. <laughs> this was a great fight. And, you know, the thing about this fight is interesting is that basically Dragon is on the receiving end through most of this. Oh, yeah. He's getting his ass kicked good. He gets his, ki- his, his, his licks in, but almost right from the get-go... Mako's the one on top. Right. Oh. I love um, the the scene. I mean, so I mean, there's not much to talk about. You, you just Two have to look at it. It's a visual feast. But I love the panel where where Dragon just clocks uh, Mako, and you just see teeth flying all over the place. Yeah. Wait. Fuckachum. I want to say it's Thrakachum. Thrak, oh, it's an R. Okay, Thrakachum. Yeah. And that that is was that the sound effect you like? Because yeah. I like that sound effect because I like it, but that's not the one. Okay, I like this one because it's behind the art. That is yeah. awesome because that took the extra effort to make it look more like a traditional hand effect. Yep, definitely, I agree. I respect and appreciate that. That's awesome. Yeah. It definitely, you know, I think one of the first issues where it was like digitally lettered, the sound effects were just, they really looked like just stickers. Yeah. That were just kind of slapped on the same line weight. And this issue, it looks totally different and I'm totally okay with it. And the sound effects look really good. There's a wide variety, all done different ways. They change like colors said, a lot. They, they blend in with the artwork. Uh, the thing about this page is interesting between the digest and the regular. Um, in the di- in the in the regular, the um, Dragon Punch and Mako page is like half page spread with the mm-hmm. two panels mm-hmm. underneath. In the digest, um, Ma- Dragon Punching Mako isn't a full two page spread. It's like uh, three quarters, and the bottom two panels are on the side. And I, I think right. yeah, I think that's an interesting change of orientation. All right, cool. It's just awesome. Awesome fight scene. And this leads into... Babies. <laughs> oh, God. This stinking kid. I just know something bad's going to happen. There's a scene here, though, which is pretty telling. And it's it's a pretty... I think Eric's a great storyteller, the way he designed this. If you look at the panel where it's like there's... A panel where Frank's talking to Malcolm, and he's like, you know, Tierra and I have been talking it over, and I think we're gonna take up your, take you up on your suggestion and move back in with Mom for a little while. And he's like, basically, Mom can help out with the baby, and it'll give me some time to get my act together. And then there's a panel after, so he's saying that to Malcolm, and then there's a panel of Malcolm just no words, just kind of just looking at him. I think so. It, I think Malcolm- it makes you pause, and it gives you the idea. So he's pausing. And then it goes to the next panel, and he's like, you know, then he goes, that's great. And then Frank's like, you okay, Malcolm? And he's like, it's all good, man. It's all good. So it kind of gets you the feeling that that Malcolm's kind of like, oh, crap, he's moving back in. Like, I think, you know, I think Malcolm's going to start thinking he needs to find his own place. Yeah, that's my thought, is that basically he's thinking it's going to be a little crowded with two teen parents and a baby. 
Plus, well, basically, in his ex-girlfriend. Yeah, know? I was gonna say that. Oh, the ex-girlfriend of, part. I didn't even think about that. That'd be kind of rough. I mean, that's a tall order. Like having to deal with your ex-girlfriend moving in with you with the guy she's with, who is also like your stepbrother. It's kind of it's, it's too much. I would yeah. want my own apartment. <laughs> so I thought that was a cool little scene, and I think Eric did it. I like the expression. I like the expression of Frank Jr.'s face too, because it's like, again, it's subtle, but there's like a lot of like, uh, you know, a lot of emotion in that like expression. It's good stuff. Killer, killer, like storytelling on this page. Yeah, agreed. And we keep turning the page to like awesome stuff. (laughs) Oh yeah, exactly. I hate babies. Turn the page. Yes. (laughs) Meanwhile, in prison. Arms ripped off. Freaking I, this is, awesome. Th- this was the sound effect I like. The scrutch where he's ripping. His, this, for, for the listener, this, we're talking about the scene where there's the first scene where Mako's biting Dragon's arm off. So grabbing him by the head and just ripping his arm off with his mouth. And so, you get that scrutch. And it, and it looks like you know a Chris Eliopoulos type scrutch that was hand drawn. It's a really cool sound effect. I think that's what matters so much about these, like the sound effects and stuff on this one, is they went to a lot of effort to not have it be uniform, because the hand-drawn ones weren't uniform. Yeah. So, so awesome, so good. <laughs> and that that that's a splash on the digest. It sure is. And it's a great splash. And I love, you know, like we were talking about, I mean, how many splashes or how many panels had speed lines in this issue, which really, like, draw your eye and, and just convey a sense of just nonstop going back and forth, you know? Things are just getting ripped apart and knocked out, and people are flying all over this cafeteria. And you know what's awesome is it's it's a great, like, storytelling thing. I think that, like, for a while the book had gotten away from speed lines, and yeah. then, like, they've come back. And yeah. I think it's a fantastic storytelling thing, not just for, like, the sense of pace and action and stuff. But if you watch movies, even in, like, movies, in action scenes and stuff sometimes, the focus will drop out and only be on the main characters in the background. Yeah, right. Yeah, and so you get that effect just through speed lines. So, yeah, it's awesome. Comics are so that. cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they are. I, I love the globs of blood, and Eric draws the best kind of blood trails just flying around. and All the ink splatter. Somebody yeah. bust out the toothbrush on this one. And then we see um, that ugly Johnny guy, and we do notice that he's got a bandage over his ear, <laughs> and his ear is gone. I did and not I love notice that. That's so awesome. Th- this is a kind of a subtle thing, and I don't know if Eric did this on purpose or not, but... There's on this scene where where Mako and Dragon are battling, you see you know a bunch of the in, vicious circle inmates. So you see Ugly Johnny and Gemhead and Pucker, and in their panel, you get some of Dragon's speech bubble in there, and he says, you know, so basically he gets his arm ripped off, and he says that arm. He's talking to Mako. He says that arm will be back, and the things I'm going to be ripping off of you won't. And it, you know, it's while he's saying that, you see, you know. Uh, ugly johnny with his ear gone so it's kind of like it's kind of a cool little storytelling device where he's kind of talking about ripping things off of mako that aren't going to grow back and you see 
ugly Johnny with his ear missing because he's already gone through it. That's an excellent point. I did not even notice that. I don't know if it was on purpose or not, but it fits well. He should totally lie now. We're like, oh, yeah, (laughs) it's totally meant to do it. Also, that, like, I'm sorry. Hey, I know we're, like, trying not to be panel by panel, but, like, I guess there's just so much kick-ass stuff going on, it's hard not to. But just that Mm -hmm. grizzled expression on that last look, on the won't. Like, it just looks... Oh, Dragon's face. He's just gritting his teeth and, like, yeah, he just... He looks just like an old, tough bastard. Yeah, he looks gnarly. Like Clint Eastwood. Basically, he's losing a lot of blood, and he's getting weaker. And Mako knows it. And as we go along in the scene, he's just starting to get the best of it. And I love that scene where he's like, it's over, Dragon. And then he grabs Dragon, and, you know, Dragon's trying to shake him off, and you just see Dragon see, damn it. He's just like, Dragon's getting frustrated because he's getting bested. It's awesome. It's it's I mean, think about it. You're fighting a guy with a great white shark head. The guy's just biting the crap out of you. It's like battling a great white shark, you know? There's not really a good place to punch because Mako's, you know, rock solid muscle-wise, so you're not going to, like, land a gut blow without that giant mouth being there. Giant mouth with razor-sharp teeth just continually biting you. I like how, well, Dra- Dragon is pretty smart here. He, uh, M- Mako gets a grip on his arm, and then, so, uh, Dragon uses that to beat his head against the floor. But he's just not doing it hard enough, and Mako just basically bites his other arm off, and then, you know, at that point, it's like, what do you do when you have two missing arms? Spit There's all no your way. teeth out. She he's, yeah. he's disarmed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but and I love how we get the thum 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 thum, and it's basically just uh, Mako beating on Dragon's torso or head or whatever, and that's very reminiscent of kind of like how Chris Eliopoulos used to letter. I mean, I know he's doing the digital lettering, but it's very reminiscent of how he used to hand letter. It's fantastic. I mean, it's definitely one of those visuals that is a Savage Dragon visual, so to see the thum 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 like all in a line, all uniform and stuff... It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it's so this fight was just so fun. And I know how we've been talking about oh, you know, the, the digest version's better than the regular size, yeah, but I feel like on this next scene the regular size uh page is comes out better than the digest version. It's just it's, oh, oh, you know, oh, I see what you're saying. I'm I'm checking the other copy but just because all the panels are there. The thum, 12, thum, thum, 12 thum. panels all the same size of Mako just pounding Dragon into the ground. Yeah, that's, They're all on one page on the full-size version. I don't know. But, split over two. Yeah, but in the... All right. In my copy, I can only see one half at a time. Uh-huh. But in the printed copy, it would be a nine-panel grid sideways. It'd be a, almost a double-page splash of those. Well, yeah, the, that's true. In the, like, I mean, what's 12, the... 12 panels. It's 12 panels, so you got three rows of four. Right. So in this case, there would be two rows of three on two pages next to each other. Oh, so that's how the Digest did it. Okay. Yeah. Although it wasn't presented like going all the way across and then all the way across again. It's done in a six-panel grid on each page. Something uh, cool then that I can comment on that the colorist did on the – 
print edition for, I mean, the not digest version is the transition all being on a single page from the first panel to the 12th panel. It goes from a dark, deep red. Yeah. And it gets like to orange, then yellow, then light yellow. And it's just a, that's a really cool, subtle sort of like sequential thing with coloring. It's a very awesome. I mean, the colors were way on point, but I mean, it's like thoughtful too. It's great. And are they doing the same thing this issue where the the character in the in the forefront is kind of shaded and the the background characters are more I solid? I don't know. The the fight took place in a grayscale prison, so it seemed to me that they were. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's just a little bit It would have been if if they were doing full color, I believe the background probably wouldn't be much different. Yeah. Just cuz of the location. And I, I love to, to move on the scene, I, I love how you know Mako is just about to finish Dragon and he gets robbed. Oh yeah, because yeah, yeah, the guards finally show up, and they got these huge laser cannon devices and they just blast the crap out of Mako. And it must be cool to have laser guns in a superhuman prison. I know. Yeah, I <laughs> I, I do love how Eric kind of draws this technology where they have these big laser guns but they're connected to these giant hoses so they're not very mobile yeah so you can kind of understand like it kind of like you put two and two together that it probably took them a while to get everything hooked up and right they got like down this hall and ready to go to, to blast these guys so it gave them time to beat the crap out of each other yeah now the real question is of course Mako gets robbed because he gets shot mm-hmm. is he dead doesn't I don't think look so. Fatal. Yeah, it doesn't look fatal. I yeah. mean, one's in his arm, one's in his shoulder, one's in his gut, but I'm sure Mako's tough enough. Yeah, there's no way he's going to die that way. Nah, I, he's just too tough. And, I mean, also, too, none of those – it's very clearly defined, like, where the bullets or lasers, I guess I should say, went. And I just don't see that being the end of him. Yeah. But I have to say this issue cemented Mako's kind of – place in dragon lore as one of you know his worst villains yeah i mean basically mako wins here oh yeah like if the guards weren't there dragon would have been dead um, one-on-one doesn't no weapons or anything mako wins yeah doesn't mako pretty much win every one of their engagements and something goes like gets in the way that's close to it yeah Dart's head gets in the way Oh, it's funny. <laughs> you know, the, the the placement of one of those lasers, you kind of see it come out his front, and then on this, you see it on his back. I kind of wonder if they hit his spine. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Can, can the book handle I tend to doubt paralyzed? It. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I think I think Mako will be all right. We'll see, though. He's a Who paralyzed knows? shark man. Your life can't get much crappier. So, uh, just to wrap things up real quick, we get two pretty good uh, reveals here at the end, like two epilogues. Yeah. Yeah. Osgood puts on the uh, Dread Knight armor, and he swears revenge upon the Savage Dragon. And then the real cliffhanger no one saw coming. Well, he calls himself the Knight. Is that... Is it like I don't know if he's just using a plan or is that just a name he's chosen? No, because he says soon Savage Dragon will face the, the new Dread, Dread Knight. Knight. Oh, oh it's called Dread Knight, of course. I'm an idiot. 
It's okay, Maxine's yeah. hand. Snag. You know, I had my moment. <laughs> you had well, to have yours. The thing I like about all right, again, why I like the um the digest better is that last page is a splash with with uh Dread Knight. Well, it's not really the last page, but since it's a splash and if you're flipping through the the um the digest, I mean you don't know how many pages are left in the story. No. It just seems like that's the last page of the main story. And you're like, Oh shit, you know, Dread Knight's back. And then you turn the page and then you get this other epilogue kinda. And this is the craziest epilogue. <laughs> I know. This was the what epilogue. <laughs> Shao Khan, apparently. <laughs> hey, Khan. Yeah. You weak, pathetic fool. <laughs> Mortal Kombat. It just—it's awesome. I'm not knocking it. It's just sort of like—is this a guy we know? No, I don't—I don't believe so. But the—the—it's just who this is. I mean, of all the random people that Malcolm's run across, she's the one that holds the grudge. I love it. And, you're, and so, for the listener, we're talking about the last scene, and it's—you know—you see someone in a, in a winter kind of coat, looks like they're in the Himalayas or some kind of mountainous, cavey place, and. We get this crazy villain sitting on some kind of crazy throne with flames all around it, and this person in the their winter gears approaching them, and it turns out to be Brenda Funk, who's Adrian Witherspoon's girlfriend. You'll remember. The spoon. And she's she's looking for some kind of power from this guy to take her revenge on Malcolm. The first of his, well, I guess not the first of his rogue gallery. I would say she's like got to be fifth. <laughs> it's kind of surprising. I didn't see the spoon's girlfriend coming in as a villain. Uh, yeah, I mean, so she leaves school and hikes the Himalayas or wherever to find this guy. It's... That's what I do. <laughs> this is just north of Chicago. The... Yeah, yeah it's, you know, it's the middle. Of, it's Canada. It's Canada. It's like it's <laughs> that's where he's like, you can't read it in the word balloons. He's like, what reason have you come, eh? Did you bring Tim Horton's <laughs> child? <laughs> a. <laughs> Who are you, eh? <laughs> Did you catch the abs, eh? <laughs> Fantastic. I love uh, I love that Brenda Funk, of all people, is seeking to get power to get revenge on Malcolm. That's fantastic. She's the new fiend. <laughs> you, well, you got it. It just begs like all the questions, right? Because I mean, honestly, you know, we saw Dread Knight on the cover. We knew the Dread Knight Dragon prison fight's coming. And there was a little bit of curveball that it wasn't uh, your ass. So, it's like, okay, but the minute you see Osgood, didn't you kind of figure he was gonna be Dread Knight? And then he was, and I was like, oh, okay. But then you flip this page, and boom, here's your real cliffhanger twist ending. Yep. I loved it. And I hope it's one of those things where, you know, it just sets it up for, like, five issues later i used to love back in the day when he used to throw some little scene out there and you wouldn't hear anything about it until like you know five to eight issues at later and then it would be like oh yeah i remember that <laughs> that that turned out to be super important yeah well you know what i mean i'd love to say more but my god man we've got two backups that kick butt too yeah yeah and this 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 first backup Flash Mercury and Powerhouse. Fantastic. It's so awesome. 
Yeah, it's everything I ever wanted in a comic book. It it was totally like totally caught me off guard. First of all, I didn't realize Frank Fosco was gonna be back. You didn't. No one mentioned anything. Frank Fosco, the artist. Um, so I was happily surprised to see that, and just the characters involved. It's just it's. I mean, okay. First of all, Powerhouse. <laughs> everyone loves Powerhouse. Right. All right. I love Flash Mercury. Yep. And, and Fever's there, too. Fantastic. Yeah. And she's cool as hell, too. Yeah. And it's just this this little issue. I mean, what is it? Like, it's, on the main comic, it's only, like, three pages, like, on the on the regular <laughs> size. It's three pages. And yeah. Frank Fosco is the master of, you know, I, you got to give Eric credit, too. I guess he wrote Page it. Page economy. But, yeah, and, and giving you, like, a great story out of, you know, three pages or four pages. He did the same thing with the Vanguard serial. Yeah, absolutely. The amount of work done in just three pages is phenomenal. It's satisfying because there's a story. fights. That's the thing is, it's yeah. not just and you need panels for fights. Yeah, I'm learning that yeah. as I pretend to write. But it's just it's <laughs> kind of like it's funny though because even though this has fights, there's still very much a beginning, middle, end that's satisfying. Yeah. And this this whole comic gave me like a feeling of like a seventies Bronze Age kind of comic. It, you know, it's, it's like, like Tomb of Dracula, starring, yeah. starring Chicken Head Man. Yeah. This idea, but, uh, just the idea presented by this comic. I, I mean, I'll save it to the end once they establish, because that last panel sort of sets the whole tone. But I would read the hell out of a series like this. Yeah. Well, I don't know if we're gonna go. We should go panel by panel, but I mean, it's basically them fighting Doctor Frankenstein because <laughs> I guess he's terrorizing the village, and the village paid, you know, uh, uh, Flash Mercury and Powerhouse and Fever. He's terrorizing the countryside of, of Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's so amazing is that you see what kind of looks like Frankenstein's monster in that very first panel. Yeah, and then boom, Frankenstein. What? <laughs> Actually, there's a whole bunch of, like, Promethean-type monsters here. They're, like, they're all Frankensteins. Well, it, yeah, it, is this issue, is this story the first time we actually learn why Fever is called Fever? I don't know, but maybe. I feel like I've never seen her do anything. Except strip. <laughs> Other than strip, so yeah, I mean, it could very well be. I remember I, I was like... shocked when the snake made him, like, hallucinate. I was like, whoa, yeah. what? Whoa, she's yeah. cool. <laughs> I didn't think they could do anything. So it's it is a pretty cool episode there. Yeah, I know a little mini backup, but I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you guys a, a quick little story. I had this back f- like five years ago. I had this idea for a Savage Dragon backup that I kept trying to write but never got anywhere with, and it was uh-huh. basically Mako, Neutron Bob. And Loblo in a van having adventures. <laughs> <laughs> so this is like the next best thing to that. This is fantastic. This is great. The last panel where they're just like they set up the idea that they are going around just beating up monsters. Yeah, so it's like heroes for hire monster hunters or heroes for hire. It's like that show supernatural. <laughs> If, if if instead of like two brothers 
you had like Powerhouse and Flash Mercury and Fever driving around beating up monsters. In Flash Mercury's car, no less. The Mach Yeah, I love five. that. <laughs> I love how they just get in the car and just take off. It's great. It's... Heading for Casper, Wyoming. <laughs> it's solid gold. It's solid gold. But that that was just it was a story that came out of nowhere. I wasn't expecting it and wasn't expecting, you know, Frank Fosco on art again and I was just just ecstatic over the story. I thought it was a great little I just like the powerhouse is like being a hero. Yeah. But uh then we get the deadly duo back up. Um do we actually want to talk about that? Yeah, well, let's go through it quick. I mean, we'll, we'll talk this one was a lot sillier. <laughs> well, I mean, it's the deadly duo. Did yeah. you, you know, you expect? <laughs> I wasn't. I thought it was okay. I, I love the art. I think. Uh, I think um, Scott James is kind of in that Eric Larson school of art. I think he reminds me a lot of like the same kind of stuff like Mark Englert was doing with Mighty Man. Right. It's very reminiscent. It's it's its own style, but you can tell. It's got a good, in, you know, Eric Larson influence. At least I think it does. Yeah, I mean, artistically, yeah, I, I totally get that. It's kind of got the, definitely the similar style. What I I don't know what it was, but there was just something about the layouts that just didn't seem very interesting. Yeah. Compared to like the previous backup, which was intense as hell. Mm-hmm. Whereas this one was just like a bunch of boxes, and I don't know, it just didn't really click. And then when I I, of course, read it in the digest first. And when I read it in the regular one, it almost seemed like some of the panels on the pages didn't fit together properly. Hmm. Gotcha. I guess I'm not getting it. I mean, I could get where the layouts are kind of like uh, more simplistic. I assumed that that was a restriction due to the uh, need for the comics panels to fit between both the digest and the normal issue. Right. So I didn't, I didn't hold that against it because I mean, I think that that's, would be a challenge. I mean, Fosco's uh, backup pulled it off amazing. Larson's did too. This one didn't fall flat for it, but I mean, I didn't think it made it fall flat, but I am, I guess, with you where it didn't do as much as I guess those previous ones did. Also, maybe I didn't really dig the gag that the whole thing kind of hangs on. I didn't like the punchline. The punchline was kind of like, yeah. Uh, the art is amazing. The coloring is amazing. These are like scanned pencils, I think, which is fantastic. Um, but nah, the joke, I was just sort of like, eh, because it just seems like. I mean, it's I guess you, you basically you're so used to Kill Cat getting, you know, rejected by everyone and everything. Well, it's not so even that. He's just finally... so full of himself. Do you really believe that he wouldn't be able to, like, capitalize on this? I don't know. I, don't I guess know. He's I, so used to getting rejected, like I said, that you know this one girl's all over him and he just can't handle it. But yeah, it it I think it fell a little flat. It wasn't as good as I hoped it would be. Uh, the joke, why, like you said, the punchline. But um, you know what I think it might have been, honestly, I think it might have been that that was such a killer issue. Then you had that killer surprise out of nowhere backup. And I was already stoked for this backup that I guess I just didn't think. I, I feel like I'm probably a victim of being overhyped at this point. Because I'm like, you know, uh, at this point, I'm like, yeah, 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 every page. 
And then when the joke's like, oh, he doesn't know what to do with a woman. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. And I guess that villain, sorry not to cut you off. Sorry, I'll cut that uh, out. Ramrod, I've never seen him before. I guess he's a new guy. I wonder if uh, that's a creation of Scott James or, or, uh, or Eric or whatever. But anyway... And it should make a note that Scott James did color this as well. And like you mm-hmm. said, Raven, the coloring is pretty cool. I love it. It's great. Yeah, the art and the coloring is just top-notch. It's fantastic. Who wrote this? Who wrote this? Uh, Eric did. Larson. I know. That's a, I'm making jokes because we were just like slathering the previous stuff with praise. Who wrote this garbage? So, yeah. Uh, Savage Dragon 190, two issues in one. It was a darn good issue at that. I still say that this book is absolutely like firing on all. In fact, I will even go further to say that like when you have like killer backups, to me that's like the that's the best Savage Dragon can ever be is when it's jumping all over with lots of plots and also has at least like a backup or two. Oh yeah. The backups really what makes this experience what it is, in my my opinion. Yeah, I I just this whole jail kind of saga is or story arc has just been just incredible. Yeah. I, I've it's been one of my favorite arcs in a long time. I mean, there's been a lot of good ones, but I think this one tops it. I just it's everything I was hoping for. That when I heard that he was gonna do that, I just thought it was like just a perfect story to have in this book and it's been rocking and if it's dragon's last hurrah i think it's a really good note to leave on yeah yeah absolutely well so suppose, so next episode suppose we should this it is that time isn't it is this uh savage dragon 191 or 192 191 191 okay sorry you can edit that out jim Savage Dragon 192. Nope, 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 nope. We got confused again. Shit. This was 190. <laughs> okay. yeah. Next episode was 191. All right, take take three. Here, guys. <laughs> <clears throat> Savage Dragon 190. One. One. <laughs> <laughs> Jailbreak. As hundreds of inmates riot in an effort to escape from Stronghold Penitentiary, Dragon faces the deadly Dread Knight. The countdown to the biggest and most significant change for Savage Dragon ever continues. Or at least uh, the Deadly Dread Knight's understudy. Yeah, Oz, the Dread Dread Pirate Osgood doesn't sound as good. Oh, you know, and one last note after this, I do want to mention that um, for those listeners out there that used to get us on imageaddiction.net, Yes. Everything from Image Addiction has been moved over to a new website called Comics Addiction, which has got pretty much the same kind of image podcasts that were on Image Addiction. But this website's a little more broader and, and has other uh, – talks about, I think, all companies' kind of books. And we can be found over there. It's uh, comicsaddiction.net. It's the same guys that brought you Image Addiction. It's just been – like I said, moved over there. So it's a slight change, but we'll post all the information on our uh, website. 
I think. So yeah. Cool. It's a move for the better. I have no idea. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, also, just you know, send us your questions, comments, and suggestions, uh, or just write us a note at savagefincast at gmail dot com. We love to hear your feedback. Yeah, yeah, we absolutely do. And uh, you know, we're always all t- also looking for ideas. So if you have like some kind of segment or thing. You know that you'd be interested in hearing, you know, format something else you just want to hear from. Yes. Us, let us know. Yeah, yeah ask, ask us our opinions. We have them. Absolutely, guests. If there's someone you want to interview. We'll ask them. We got pool. Do we? <laughs> well, I told Kirkman. <laughs> I told Kirkman he wasn't allowed to be on the show. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's where that interview's gone. Nowhere. I said, sorry, we don't talk to people from Kentucky. Raven. Never mind all your successes. (laughs) Okay, so. That's that. Yeah, see you next time. (laughs) Thanks for listening. (laughs) The Savage Fincast is hosted by the Gutter Trash Podcast Network, which can be found at guttertrash.net. The Savage Fincast is proud to be members of the Comic Addiction Family of Podcasts and the Comics Podcast Network, which can be found at comicaddiction.net and comicspodcast.com.